0: Now, fight back with Libby Zneimer on Zoomer Radio.
1: Good afternoon and welcome. This morning, we got some details on the city's road safety plan. The measures are designed to reduce the number of fatalities on our roads, and that is a goal that is at the very top of our agenda here at Fight Back. Some of these measures are specifically targeted to help Zoomers, since older people make up the vast majority of the victims. 86% of the 43 pedestrian fatalities last year were people over 55, which is how the city uh, uh, designates an older person. Now, the city has named 12 new senior safety zones. It's making adjustments to signal lights in specific locations, reducing speed limits, and on a controversial note, putting in more red light cameras. Let's go right to Mayor John Tory. Mayor, hello. Thanks for joining us.
2: Libby, Happy New Year. It's nice to talk to you.
1: Uh, great to talk to you. First, explain to us what a senior's safety zone is, please.
2: Well, we're going to designate places where there is a concentration of senior citizens. And so if you look at the intersection we were at this morning at Bloor and Dundas, there's a, an apartment building there that is populated largely by seniors. There's a medical on one corner. There's a medical building on another corner. Um, and there's just a population in the neighborhood of seniors and if you look at that intersection I'm, I'm sad to tell you that there have been four fatalities and five senior citizens uh, injured over the last six years and, and you've just got to believe you know that is a completely unacceptable number i mean anything more than zero is unacceptable but you know that's that's kind of a fatality a year in one intersection in the city and so um, by doing a whole bunch of things we've retimed the signals to allow uh, for both um, uh, crossing the street to take a little longer and also to so, sort of um, adjust uh, car speed we've put up these huge new kind of ye- bright yellow signs that say senior safety zone slow down Um, We have uh, changed the speed limit in the intersection. Uh, There's already a red light camera there. And when you describe that, Libby, as controversial... where there is a red light camera, this is a very, very important uh, thing for your audience to note, as much as people do debate these red light cameras, there has been a 60% reduction in fatalities at intersections where we presently have red light cameras. So to me, that is a massive success and to be repeated, as we're going to do in 75 more locations in the city.
1: Okay, let's let's get to that in a minute. But first, with these uh, seniors, uh, with the designated senior safety zone, I have to admit that I was uh surprised at what you said about Dundas uh, about Dundas and Bloor Street you know whenever i'm around there uh, you can't move anyway
2: Well, we were there, you know, in sort of mid-morning on a day a snowy day, but um, that and and, you know there were lots of transit vehicles because there's transit vehicles coming in and out of the station there and so on. But um, that's you know the the traffic was moving, and we also saw and again I I, the one thing you won't hear me doing is sort of blaming the pedestrian because in all cases transit vehicles, trucks, cars, even cyclists have to you know have to pay attention to pedestrians. But we saw people, some of them seniors, some of them not, crossing the street um, in mid-intersection and you know because you've been around that intersection and some of the listeners will have as well there are all kinds of vehicles there are street cars there are buses there are taxis there are cars there are trucks there are cyclists and when you cross middle in the middle of a block you are taking a risk in doing that because it's just not the place where people are watching for you which is part of what we're trying to do here is to say look that's going to happen because not every person is going to walk all the way down to the corner and cross the street even if they should so yeah it's a place where it wouldn't strike the, the, the traffic move doesn't move it sometimes the day but a lot of other times of the day it does and it's busy traffic it's meaning it's car street cars and buses turning and taxis turning and you know all this sort of thing so that's why we're trying to draw attention to the fact that in some of these areas there are a lot of seniors and that we have to take extra measures to both be mindful of that but also to actually slow things down a bit.
1: And, and what is the new speed limit there?
2: Well, on that one, from the sign I saw this morning, it's forty, and I think it's. I've got the whole list here, and it's It's a long list. In some cases, fifty to forty, in other cases, forty to thirty. I I just uh, uh, the sign that I saw this morning said forty, and I have here somewhere all the lists of exactly how the speeds have changed. There's so many intersections, it's hard for me to here it is. Um, But and I've got such a long list, but I believe it's gone down to forty from fifty kilometers per hour. Uh,
1: So. In all of these senior safety zones, is there a designated new speed limit or is it up to a driver's discretion? No, I have the
2: list right here in front of me. And, in fact, there's long lists that go from 60 to 50 and some from 50 to 40 and others down uh, below that. So it depends on the area. And what we're doing is we're doing what people would expect, I think, Libby, which is we are taking the data and, first of all, looking for the places where there have been the greatest number of senior, uh, especially seniors uh, injured or, 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 God forbid, killed, and we're then looking at the speed limits there and making changes accordingly, and we're beyond the 12 zones we designated today. We've got 11 other ones under um, active consideration. We're like, we're reviewing the data, and then we're also looking at 10 other problematic intersections for pedestrian safety generally, and so there's a large number of intersections that are under review, but we really got at this in earnest um, in last year. We did a lot last year, but we were behind as a city, to be honest. I mean, we were behind other cities that have done more, and we're now catching up, I think, in a very determined way, but uh, today was uh, one more significant step forward, but nonetheless only a step.
1: Okay, well, um, we are going to be posting the list on our website just to give our listeners uh, an idea. The other uh, senior safety zones, Bathurst and Steeles, Victoria Park and O'Connor, McCowan and Lawrence, Danforth and Main, Danforth and Coxwell, there are more. Uh, I don't want to read the whole list here. Uh, Let's get to that controversial topic, the red light Light cameras. Now, if memory serves, when we first heard about the return of these red light cameras, we were assured that they would only be in school zones. Uh, when did that change? No, you're, you're actually
2: mixing up two uh, things, which is easy to do because we've had a number of initiatives in this area. I asked the premier for permission to restore what people call photo radar. Uh, And that is what is confined only to school uh, zones. Uh, The red light cameras, which of course are different, they they are looking for people who are going through intersections on a red light, thus imperiling pedestrians, because of course the pedestrians may have started to cross the street on their own green light and get run over by a car that's going through a red light. And so that's where we've cut down on the deaths by 60 percent, is capturing people who are going through red lights or speeding through on the yellow and actually going through a red light. And so there was no such commitment with respect to red light cameras to confine them to any except the places where they're going to save lives uh, and, frankly, uh, stop us from utilizing a a highly paid police officer to sit there and watch people go through the red light. Um, So the cameras are being installed in 76 new places, which means basically a doubling of the number of cameras. And I'm very, very comfortable with that um, because when you know that the facts are it's reduced fatalities by 60% in those intersections, I think you'd almost be irresponsible not to put them in.
1: Well, that, that, that certainly sounds about right. You mentioned pedestrians crossing mid-block, and we know they're not supposed to do that, but there are many places where, honestly, it is a really long walk to the light and I can see, I can understand why uh, especially older people who might have some mobility issues try to take a bit of a shortcut. So uh, you're changing the signals a little bit, accessible pedestrian signals?
2: Yeah, we're doing more than that. Since you've asked directly about that, and it's a very very good question, um, we are also especially in suburban settings, because of course the places where you find that that walk down to the corner and then across the street and all the way back, if you were just going across the street to a store or something, is particularly um, burdensome, is in the suburbs, you know, where the intersections and crosswalks are much further apart than at, say, even at Dundas and Bloor, where we were this morning. So in the suburban settings, we're going to be looking at places, again, where there have been numbers of accidents and where we see, just even from eyeballing it, um, seniors who are coming out of, say, a senior's residence and crossing the street because it's convenient to walk right across to the store. And what we're going to do in those places is we're going to install other opportunities to cross, because it's just the reality that we've got to start taking account of the changing demographics and the changing habits. We want seniors to come out of their seniors' residences and go for a walk and go to the store and remain active and not be unsafe. And so if that means that we have to put an extra crossing in halfway down the block in order to take account of the reality of how people are, you know, walking around, well then, that's all part of sharing the road as between pedestrians, cyclists, and motorists, and we're going to be fair and balanced about it, but we're going to do it.
1: Okay, so explain these accessible pedestrian signals. I have to say, if those buttons you know whenever I use the buttons i it it's unclear to me that they do anything at all.
2: Well, they actually do. Now, what they don't do, you see, I think what people expect a lot of the time is that when they push the button, the light will instantly change. The light is on a timed cycle, and that's the kind of thing we can adjust on a permanent basis. In other words, it has a time cycle. And the time cycle, since it's computer-driven, can change based on the time of day and rush hour and this and that. But what happens is that the button uh, will also um, shorten up that cycle. So if there are people waiting to cross the street, it shortens it up. So if it ordinarily might have been 70 seconds, it might go to 50 seconds. um, And... And that kind of thing. And that's the time frame, by the way, we're talking about. People often think because it's cold they're waiting for, you know, they'd say, I was waiting for seven minutes to cross the street. Well, there is no light in Toronto that's seven minutes. I mean, they're they're one and a half minutes, two minutes. It seems like seven minutes sometimes when it's the middle of January and it's cold and snowing. So what we're doing is with having more of these these accessible signals, and the accessible signals aren't just the button uh, that you push, but it's also um, audible signals, uh, and it's also changing the nature of the intersection itself, so we're going to take the curbs down so that instead of having to step off a curb where, you know, a lot of seniors and other people might, you know, end up having a fall um, yep. and we know how dangerous that is so we're changing the curbs to make them uh, you know graduated we're making them more accessible for wheelchairs um and this kind of thing and again we're basing uh, the places we do it first uh on history in other words if there's been a history of accidents or a history of difficulties we're going to those places first so uh, we've we've picked 20 locations that again you can post on your website if you wish um, where there's been a lot of this kind of uh, seniors and disabled traffic uh, traffic meaning pedestrian and wheelchair chair traffic and putting those in first.
1: Okay. Um, How disruptive is this work going to be and how long is it going to Uh, take?
2: Well, we're doing it as quickly as we can. So I can tell you that, you know, the signs are going up now. They were up today at Dundas and Bloor and it's the first one we've sort of really addressed. A lot of the work on the pavement markings has been done. People will have noticed that and you'll say, well, what does that matter? Well, by drawing what we call the zebra markings on the uh, the street in very, very visible ways, it draws the attention both of the pedestrian but much more importantly of the motorist to where where people are going to be crossing the street. Um, We've retimed hundreds of signals already, many of them retimed because of um, the high traffic of senior citizens. So this stuff's being done as quickly as possible. The red light cameras will be installed by this spring. The work is underway. So it's all happening as rapidly as we can make it happen because the safety issue is real today uh, and yesterday and we want it to be gone tomorrow. Or, you know, yeah, gone tomorrow because the target here is zero get down to zero um pedestrians who lose their lives in the city of toronto in collisions with uh with with automobiles and and other vehicles
1: well that is an admirable target that we certainly support and uh just before we go uh when will all of these senior safety zones be up
2: well, I mean, the objective is, you know, it certainly is, I, I'll say in 2017, um, and, you know, obviously, if we can do it earlier in 2017 as opposed to later, but we're underway with it. I can only say we've started, and the objective is to have it totally done in 2017, but obviously, I would say, because I'm an impatient person by nature, and it's also about safety, we should get it done in the first half of 2017, but I don't want to sort of make a promise that I can't keep. Most of this stuff is fairly straightforward stuff, but it does take time to do it, so we're, we're at it. We're on, we're on the file.
1: Okay, well, that's great to hear Mayor John Tory, thank you so much. Thank you, Libby. All the best. Bye-bye. All the best. Bye-bye. Okay, well, what do you think of these measures? Uh, it sounds pretty extensive. We are going to post them all on our website because uh, it does take a bit of time to kind of uh, take it all in. The numbers, 416-360-0740, toll-free 866 740 740 Let's go to John in Brampton. Hi, John.
3: Hi, Libby. How are you today?
1: Fine. How are you?
3: I'm great. Thank you. Uh, I heard you talking with uh, Mayor Tory about Dundas and Bloor, and I'm very familiar with that intersection. Uh, People do not follow the rules and cross at the lights, and he mentioned them crossing mid-block, and that is a terrible place for that happening all the time. Uh, People are walking along the sidewalk, and they see the light just turn red, and they'll just cut out in front of a streetcar, truck, whatever. And uh, I have seen signs at intersections that say turning vehicles must yield to pedestrians. I think it's about time they had signs on these blocks where these trouble intersections are that said pedestrians must cross at intersection. So people would get in the habit of walking all the way to the intersection and crossing with the light.
1: He said that that they're they're making more uh, accessible. Crossings. I mean, uh, yes, you're absolutely right. But when it comes to people who might have some mobility issues, some of those, you know, some of those lights are few and far between, frankly. And you can kind of understand why people do it. It's, it's, it's again, it, it you know, at the end of the day, part of the problem is that these things were not designed for pedestrians, and and I think that's what they're trying to address.
3: It is, but people have to learn, just like we, we learned. Uh, uh, I've never taken chances that I've seen other people take. And people have to learn as part of the education that the safest way to cross the street is always the best way.
1: Well, I, you know, if people hear you, I think that's a great thing. Uh, you know, obviously, you're right. And obviously, you know, uh, having an accident or worse is a terrible price to pay because you wanted to save a few minutes or part of a walk. Uh,
3: I totally get that. Uh, when you're in a hurry and it's cold out, you know, as, as Mayor Tory said, but people have to learn. Uh, and, and it's on everybody. It's cyclists. It's 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 everybody. All the all the drivers, all the pedestrians, and they have to learn. If you're going to the store, it's going to take seven minutes instead of three to cross that street, but it's going to be safer. You're going to make it to the other side. You know, there's an old saying, you know, where anywhere you go, you want to arrive alive, and that's the goal.
1: Okay, John, thanks very much for that.
3: You're quite welcome. Have a great day, Libby.
1: You too. Bye-bye. Uh, Gloria in Toronto. Hi, Gloria. Hi. i um, Hi. I was just listening to the
4: rhetoric, and I would love to invite the mayor to my corner at Leslie and Lakeshore.
1: Uh-huh.
4: Um, since they did all the construction down here with the Leslieville Barns, any of us that are crossing on the west side, either going north to south or south to north, are used as target practice for any vehicles turning west. If you are going from north to south and you want to make a right-hand turn to go west, you better not be crossing the intersection on the west side at all. They do not stop for any red lights. They just
1: bomb right through. And if they can use you for practice, they'll use you. You know but- what? Here's here's what I recommend. Uh, we're going to post all these changes on the website. I'm I'm taking a quick peek through, and I don't see any changes for that intersection, but... Um, I could be missing something. And uh, th- the mayor has also told us that there are other intersections which are under consideration. So job one for you is to check it out to see if there are any changes contemplated there and then get in touch with your city councilor. Get uh, in touch with your that. city council.
4: We've done that and we've also done it and gone to the police and everything. And drivers literally honk at us to get us out of the intersection. And when you've got piggyback trucks coming at you, because they want, and they actually run the red lights, and the cars that are behind those trucks run with them,
1: it is one of the scariest places to to go across, because you're going through six lanes. Yeah, I, you know, I i I hear you, uh, but again, uh, I would go over that list with a fine tooth comb and then try again with the counselor. I mean Jay Robinson, who uh, is on this file, has said that this is her top priority for the year, so she's somebody, even if she is not your counselor, which she isn't, yep. that you can get to and then get to your counselor because I mean. Obviously, they want to deal with it. There's a new road safety czar in town, Barbara Gray. We talked to her last week. So I I think that the the political will seems to be there. It's just a matter of getting the details right, getting the places right. So uh, just make sure they know about your spot. Take some pictures.
4: People have done that, and we've actually gotten
1: in way of
4: cars going at people pushing their babies
1: oh dear oh
4: yeah oh this isn't fun this is all ages are used and we get screamed at we get hollered at um they're on the phone like anything that can be done on this massive intersection that has been built because of the leslieville barns it well is frightening.
1: well may, maybe you also need some uh, police action there anyway thanks for your okay. call gloria and uh i hope that you can get that done appreciate it thank you take care okay bye-bye, bye-bye. All right, uh, that's all the time we have for this segment. We're going to be talking about something related, and that is road safety. Today is a snow day. I hope people are slowing down and accommodating the conditions. I can tell you from my drive in, which was not problematic, but uh, a lot of people were acting like it was, you know, totally dry in the summer, weaving in and out.
0: You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to 1. Fight Back with Libby Zneimer on Zuma Radio.
1: Welcome back. Speaking of road safety, as we just spoke to the mayor about, it should be top of mind today because of the weather. The snow is continuing to fall and rain is expected just in time for the afternoon drive. And that may be some freezing rain. Constable Clint Stibby joins us to discuss winter road safety. Hi there. Hi, how are you? Fine, how are you? Excellent, thank you. Uh, What are the numbers like in terms of collisions today? Uh, I can't give you an exact count because it actually takes some time before it gets entered into our systems,
5: but I can say that it hasn't been terribly high. Uh, The amount of snow that we were expecting hasn't uh, come in as much as they expected. I think we're maybe seeing three or four centimeters on the ground in the city right now. Roads are actually pretty good. Uh, when I look at the maps for the uh, roadways, uh, the expressways, they're pretty much all green throughout the city. So we're, I think we're in pretty good shape right now. But, again, this boils down to a bit of uh, false sense of security, especially when we look at the uh, freezing rain that may be coming in this afternoon. Areas that are pretty good now could get coated with a layer of ice, and uh, they may look good, but in reality be quite dangerous.
1: Yeah. Uh, I, I mean, I do have to say that this morning I found the drive very easy, did not take any, any longer than it usually does, even though I was driving a little more slowly. And, uh, you know, but I was finding still that people were not taking the conditions into account, you know, weaving in and out. I mean what is up with that?
5: Well, it's quite interesting. We saw the, a number of individuals this morning with uh, snow tires on their vehicles driving around like it was a bright, warm, sunny day. Problem is, it's not. And this, the snow tire is a bit of a false sense of security because, you know, it says snow tire, so you think, okay, it's the greatest tire uh, to use in the snow. Oh, well, that may be so, but it still can't beat physics. If you're going too fast and you need to stop that car, there's only so much that tire is going to do for you. And when that occurs, you're going to end up Hitting somebody, hitting something, killing someone—whatever the case uh, may be—and here's where we have to ask: What are you as a driver doing to keep the road safer? If you're driving that aggressively, and as you've already identified this morning, and as I saw many myself this morning, uh, you're driving far too fast. If something happens, you're not going to be able to either stop or prevent a catastrophe. To be quite honest,
1: Uh, is speed uh, the worst? the worst offense in these conditions? Mm,
5: Yes and no. Uh, What we traditionally see is uh, individuals driving too fast, but at the same time, and today we didn't have that much snow come down, but uh, we do see quite often a person driving around uh, what looks like an igloo. They can see out the window, uh, the front window, but they can't see out any other windows. So we do see that quite often. And the reality is, it's a a driver that's being too lazy. Somebody that, you know, isn't willing to take that extra step to make sure that their commute's a safe one. They may get there to their destination safely today, maybe tomorrow, but you can only do that so many times before it comes back to haunt you. And if if that happens and you kill somebody or injure somebody, what are you going to do that? You're going to say you're sorry, but is that going to help bring somebody back? Not likely.
1: Well, yeah, I think what people sometimes don't realize is that, you know, the the snow that you haven't cleared can come down in a, in a big clump and suddenly you can't see anything.
5: Well, exactly. And you know what, it's not just the snow, but we have ice uh, and debris coming off vehicles. I mean, the snow is one of the issues we have, but sometimes you even have loads come off of uh, vehicles as well. And this is where you have to be on your game as a driver. But the flip side is the driver that's uh, moving along the road and that snow is coming off the vehicle, they're, quote unquote, not being affected. Well, that may be true to a certain point. Everybody else is. So now that person behind is being covered in a fog bank of snow. And I've seen it. Uh, They've got to turn the windshield wipers on. They've got to slow down everything. The reality is that person ahead is actually what's causing these unsafe conditions. And that person, uh, essentially, if there is a collision, is indirectly involved in that collision. And in the end, they're responsible for it.
1: And uh, do you ever stop people for that? Is, the, is that a highway traffic offense?
5: There's a certain amount of things that we can do under the Highway Traffic Act. For a person not clearing the snow off the car directly, it is not considered a load. So it's not a charge that can be laid in that sense. However, uh, if view out of the vehicle is restricted, so that would include the igloo where the, you can see the wiper blade marks, but everything else is covered, that type of situation we can lay charges for. So we, we have the possibility of laying charges in certain aspects, that would be side view, uh, so out the left and right side of the driver's compartment have to be clear, the rear view mirrors have to be clear, the front window must be clear. And the thing we have to also look at is if... A collision occurs, and it's determined that that individual is operating a motor vehicle and a large piece of snow came off, or whatever, something that that person did now has caused that collision. We have to look at the totality of the situation to determine whether or not a charge needs to be laid criminally. Was it negligence of the individual? Uh, you know, is this something that they could have prevented, and but by their negligence have caused this collision? So we, somebody's injured or killed. You know, we have to look at the whole package before we can decide if a charge is warranted. But if it deals with uh, expressly view out of a vehicle, then yes. The actual snow on top of the vehicle, no, because it doesn't fall under the Highway Traffic Act as quote-unquote a load. Because in theory, you could be driving and the snow could be building up in certain parts in your car if it's a very, very heavy uh, snowfall. So there's not an expectation that um, that you're going to be charged because there's a little bit of snow on your car. Don't, that's not the person we're looking for. We're looking for that person a eight, ten inches of snow on their vehicle and that are, as they're going down the road, are creating their own weather system. <laughs> the, well, it's, it's quite obvious that's what's happening. They're, you're starting a blizzard while following this car down the road because they've got so much snow on the car.
1: Okay, and, so, so the bottom line, people, is uh, clear the snow on your car, and if you don't clear the snow on your car, you could end up being charged, right? Absolutely, absolutely. What about changing lanes and passing and all of that? In what respect? Uh, does it have to change on a day when there's a bit of weather?
5: Uh, yes, absolutely. If the individuals are making rapid lane changes or sudden lane changes, this is where you're going to run into a situation where the car, now that sudden weight shift in the car, could actually cause a vehicle to come loose on the roadway. We need to keep in mind that once you even introduce water, forget ice, once you add water to the roadway, it becomes harder to stop a vehicle. And every time you double your speed, you quadruple your stopping distance. So your distance... Sorry. Just you, uh, uh, your distance. Sorry about that. But your distance to stop that motor vehicle on a wet day is much longer than it would be on a dry day. But now you introduce some snow or combination of snow and ice. All of a sudden, that quadruple distance now maybe goes to tenfold or fifteenfold because the amount of traction that that vehicle can retain on the roadway is minimized, and as a result, it takes longer and longer to stop.
1: Okay, and our pe- people aren't recognizing that.
5: No, absolutely not. They're driving around that it's a nice day outside. There may not be snow, but that doesn't mean there's not hazards. And again, when we look at the certain temperature ranges, we will see that snow get packed down into the concrete or the asphalt surfaces and now begin to form layers on top. So at some points, you actually may be riding on a layer of ice. Other times, you may be riding on a bit of asphalt or a combination of the two. So these are the things we have to look at and keep in mind, when we're operating a vehicle, you have to be paying attention to those changing conditions. The reality is a lot of individuals are so distracted about what's happening inside the car that they're tuning out from the vehicle. The problem is you need to tune into the vehicle. You need to know how the vehicle feels. You need to know that there's only so much that an electronic stability controls and traction controls and every control that you can imagine uh, are uh, available to an individual. But there's only so much physics can do.
1: Okay, let's uh, hear from Victor in Mississauga. Hi, Victor.
0: Hey, how you doing?
1: Fine. How are you?
0: Good. I just wanted to ask the officer that uh, I, I, the highways, okay, the cars, I know the snow is a problem, but I was in a situation where a tractor trailer had this, I mean, three feet of snow on its roof, and it and it just came right off, and thank God the thing just went right over my head, because if it hit my windshield, I don't know what would happen. I mean, I think the tractor trailers are the ones that should be wow. caught and pulled over, don't you think? Yeah, hold
1: on. Uh, Constable Stibbe?
5: Uh Just give me one, uh, Libby. Unfortunately, have just something's just come up. I've got to go. Okay. Uh, but I can say that under the Commercial Motor Vehicles Act, it isn't considered a load, so the driver can only do so much to clear that off the top of the vehicle. Uh,
1: okay. okay, so uh, you stay. Okay, thanks okay. a lot, Constable <laughs> Stibby. We'll let you go. Uh, Victor, I hear you. Uh, you know, I personally just try to avoid those big trucks. I don't want to be anywhere near them.
0: I know, I hear you, but geez, I'll tell you, I thought an avalanche was coming down on me.
1: Yeah, I, uh, uh, an avalanche. Yeah, I, I hear you. I find them scary on the roads often. And, um, yeah. Okay.
0: Well, yeah, okay, Lizzie. Okay, okay, thanks a lot. Thank you.
1: Okay, Bye-bye. we'll take, uh, one more call before we go to break. Ed in Mississauga. Hello, Ed. Hello there. How are you? Fine. How are you?
4: No, too bad. Uh, I would just, uh, Thinking about this uh, situation here with the winter winter driving, I think a lot of people maybe now should um go for winter driving courses or things like that it's not like we don 't have the snow, snow that we used to have in a, uh, thirty forty years ago right or twenty five years ago uh, every time that there's a snowfall, people get scared and they follow too close they put the brakes on on a, on, on on the way down a hill i mean the First thing uh, my father ever used to tell me was, when you see bad weather like that, uh, don't drive like you have no brakes so that you you can actually make, this, make the car. You don't touch the brake and, or else whenever it happens to your car, you're going to just uh, start to slide and everything like that, you know?
1: Yeah, winter driving, uh, I think it's a good idea to get a refresher on winter driving. You make a very good point, Ed. Thanks for your call. All right, then.